Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creator and jolly good gentleman, Josh Hicks, about what comics he would take into an alien invasion apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. Right now, they have their latest Kickstarter running for the history of comics 1966, 1972, 1982, and 1989, which cover subjects such as Steve Ditko, Swamp Thing, V for Vendetta, and Marvel in the UK. Find out more by searching for History of Comics on Kickstarter or by simply clicking the respective link in the show notes. Also, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. So thanks very much. (laughs) Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Josh Hicks. How's it going? Hello, it's going well. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I'm quite relieved that we've had a few days of sunshine. Um, it's it's been nice to to soak up some vitamin D before we start uh, descending into autumn and winter. Um, how's the um, how's the weather in the valley? It's horrible. It's too warm. I won the I won the <laughs> yes. winter. Yeah, bring the winter to me. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, swe- I'm sweating um, now. <laughs> it is it's it's that thing isn't it like the week before it was kind of like oh this isn't summer is it but then when summer kind of comes it's like oh, this is too hot it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah i'm in pain <laughs> uh well uh josh thank you so much for for coming on the show um and for anybody that hasn't come across your outstanding work so far uh what do you do in the world of comics Thank you. Um, I am a cartoonist. I make a book called Glorious Wrestling Alliance, among other things. And there's a, a collection of those comics coming out from Learner and Graphic Universe uh, on October the 5th called Glorious Wrestling Alliance Ultimate Championship Edition. That's like the latest thing I've done. Um, I did a book called Human Garbage with Good Comics. And I also uh, run a very, very small micro-publisher here in Cardiff called Carp Publishing Endeavours, and I co-founded CCC, the Cardiff Comics Carnival, which uh, has only happened once due to a uh, global pandemic, but it's still an ongoing concern. <laughs> it will happen again. That's everything. I hope so. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd love to come come to that. Um, I had planned to to come to uh, the the following ones because um, was it it was 2019 when that happened? CCC 2019 was the only one that actually happened. Um, yes. 2020 yeah, took yeah. place in the virtual realm. Um, I yes. made a point and click adventure game or like a text adventure game to simulate it, and uh, 2021 just didn't happen at all. So 2022. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh yeah, man! I'll be there in a, in a heartbeat. That'd be awesome, man. Um, Lovely. So uh, yeah, finger, fingers crossed. Next year, um, yeah, we can get right back on track. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Um, but uh, for, for for anybody um, that would like to check out um, your your work, where's the best place to find it? 
Um, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at a Josh Hicks. It's the letter A and then yeah, Josh Hicks, all one word. And uh, I've got a website, uh, joshhicks.co.uk, and you can see some of my work on that as well. But just go on Twitter and follow me on there. It's the best. Excellent. And then does that link through to uh, the Learner website to to purchase the um? Uh, yeah, the there's um, there's a thing on my twitter profile with a url or on my website and it'll take you to like a little pre-order list and you can or you know depending on when you click it an order list and you'll see Mm. all different shops that have it and choose which one you like the most this should be available from all major retailers so uh, you've got a good chance of finding it excellent Um, and of course uh folks yeah somewhere (laughs) um and uh yeah uh all those links from the show notes folks as always uh so feel free to go click through check out josh's work and uh and, and pre-order um uh it's a gl- glorious wrestling champion uh Jim. glorious wrestling alliance sorry, ultimate championship oh, edition sorry. that's the one amazing <laughs> I, love, I love the, the wording. you managed to get everything in there yeah it was it was uh, focus groups. Just got every keyword in. <laughs> and just out of interest, where, where where did that come from? Yeah, I've been a uh, a lifelong wrestling fan, really. And sort of when I was starting doing comics, um, I did a few little things for some anthologies. I did some stuff for uh, Off Life, which used to be an anthology in Bristol, and um, some stuff for Dirty Rotten Comics. And then I wanted to do my own thing. And for some reason, all these wrestling characters kind of percolated. And uh, I kind of thought it'd be fun to do like a sort of Larry Sanders show-esque behind-the-scenes sitcom, but with these wrestlers. And uh, I just did them as little mini-comics, did like one a year for a few years. And then a few years back, I kick-started like a collected edition. And Mm. as I was doing that, Lerner got in touch and uh, asked if I wanted to do like a bigger release in colour. So I did. And uh, now you've got this is like the ultimate form of these comics. They're perfect form, hopefully. Amazing. <laughs> so they've been through I they've been it. through a few iterations. Oh, that's good though. Um, that shows that it's got st- staying power. So um, yeah, best of, best of luck with that. And, and folks, go check it out. It's it's a it's a, it's a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. Now, um, all of that aside, unfortunately, um, the aliens are invading, I'm afraid. Um, and they're, yeah. they're, they're landing, as they always do in Hollywood movies, in Cardiff. Yeah. So um, the question is, um, what is your action plan for survival? Um, I don't have so much of a plan for action. Uh, I mean, it depends on these aliens, I suppose. Are they are they outwardly malevolent, or are they kind of? Uh... I my my plan would be to reason with them. I, uh, it's the gist. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Have you ever? I've always kind of... seen like TV shows about uh, you know people getting framed and having to go to prison. You know, and I always thought like, yeah, if I had to go to prison, I would. I wouldn't last a second. What would I do? 
Uh, and then I realized quickly that really what would happen is that someone would find out I could draw a little bit and then they would keep me alive because I'd be like drawing saucy pictures for the prisoners. I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure that's like my only skill. So I don't know if I could I could expand the drawing because I, I can't draw at that high a level. So I don't know if that's something the aliens would want. Uh, but I, I get, yeah, just a little a little chat. Let's just see see if we can meet on some common ground. And you know, aside from nice. that, it would be just hide hide in a hole and hope it all sort of passes me by. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's say that you manage to to reason with them, and you manage yeah. to land yourself a job as uh, as the as the aliens' new cartoonist. Because yeah, I, I can make really little, little drawings drawing. about their boss and stuff, couldn't I? Like, and they'd all laugh at it in the canteen. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. that'd be nice, wouldn't it? They haven't got hands. Um, these aliens. So no, this is it. This yeah. is it. They don't really do art. It's not kind of in their wheelhouse, really. It's not in their culture. Um, so, uh, yeah, they. you've now broken down um, how to speak to each other so you can actually understand one another. Um, and uh, you're, you're, you're in the canteen. You're doing your nice little cartoons of, of their, their bosses. Um, just taking the mick out of them, um, yeah. and um, one, one of your your new alien friends asks, uh, "So, Josh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying?" Well, alien friend, um, <laughs> I can remember my the first thing to get out of the way before we get into all these questions is that my memory is terrible, and I, I can't remember <laughs> the specifics of of anything really, um, but I do remember. Very much enjoying the Sonic co- or Sonic the Comic, um, which was oh, a yeah. British, uh, a crazy British Sonic the Hedgehog kids comic. I don't know how that licensing worked, where they could just do whatever they wanted, really. But um, it had crazy 2000 AD artists in it. I think Mark Miller used to write for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike McMahon used to do crazy art there. And um, I love that. And and I didn't play Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, oh, really? I was a Mario boy. So I ah. think there was a sense of the exotic about it as well. Because I, I knew, I, all I knew about Sonic mm. was he, he was a hedgehog that could run. And so it was like <laughs> opening up a whole new world where there was like a little tiny bits of backstory. I loved it. Um, but the, the comic I have actual uh, visual memory of was... There used to be, I, I think this still is. There's a British version of Spider-Man that is like sold in news uh, news agents. It's like a like a digest, and it's kind of like four years behind real Spider-Man, I guess, in America. So it like right. collects uh, stories from years ago. Um, so if that was the way you were reading it, you'd you'd always be four years behind. Um, and they would put like a main story from like whatever was happening in Spider-Man four years ago, and then like an old classic uh, Ditko Spider-Man or something in the back as well. So it was cool. And there was oh, one nice. issue that I remember um, that I, for years I remembered loving this thing, but I could never figure out who drew it. And I thought it was because they didn't credit the artist properly on the front and stuff. And it was the uh, issue of the reviled uh, Clone Wars saga where Spider-Man gets replaced by his blonde clone. And yeah. uh, the clone dies, spoilers, and it's quite sad, but it's got amazing artwork and like 
all I remember is that there's lots of shots of like Peter Parker in like hospital scrubs, sort of like jumping around doing Spider-Man stuff. But the way that his like trousers, all the wrinkles on his trousers are drawn and stuff, I was like, that's amazing. That looks amazing. And uh, I went mm. back to it years later and I was like, I still don't know who this artist was. And then I looked at it and I'd missed the artist. I missed the credits cover at the start and it was clearly written on there. And it was uh, a John Romita Jr. <laughs> so it was a, a, a great John Romita Jr. illustrated issue from like probably what, what was not a very good run of Spider-Man. But I remember really loving that. And also Tintin. I love Tintin as a child. I guess it felt like I was learning something as well as enjoying comics because you went to different yeah. countries. So ostensibly I learned something. Nice. And so um, at this age, um, were you kind of copying the uh, the comics themselves or were you coming up with your own comics and drawing your own characters and things? Yeah, it's hard to remember, really. I, I, I don't think I did comics that young. I think I just did isolated mm. images, and I would mess yeah, around with them. Doodling, I think I wrote a lot of like short stories, like that had illustrations, basically. So they were like uh, nice, less work. But yeah, definitely drawn a lot of Spider Man. Don't know if I drew any Tintins. Definitely drew a lot of Mario's, and definitely did a lot of Sonic the Hedgehogs. Um, so I've always been drawing. But I don't think I had it in like the uh, the comics form until later, really. And when was that? Um, I definitely remember doing little comics to make people laugh in school. I also did little animations and stuff as well. So those were all happening at the same time, like messing around in like Flash and making little animations mm. and doing little comic bits. Brilliant. But didn't properly do a comic until I was maybe like twenty one or something. 22 i used to just draw all the time maybe i would draw little panels but i would just draw and then i would just throw them away like i didn't keep anything i would just like do it while i was watching stuff and then i i wish i didn't do that i wish i had it all but i would just chuck it in the bin (laughs) so i I had pages (laughs) that they'd gone yeah but then that that i did um a strip for off life when i was like 22 maybe 23 and that was that was like my first finished comic and luckily they just they just said yeah we'll put it in the magazine that's awesome um and then uh you've just been inspired since then to to continue to crack on yeah yeah exactly always always moving forward always moving forward don't look back (laughs) never but by the sounds of it like with you throwing away pages and things it's like yeah just moving forward get out of my way (laughs) yeah i i had to look back when i did this book um the ultimate championship edition yeah because yeah, i had to recolor a lot of pages i hadn't looked at and because i did it the way i did it some of the art is four years old or something um oh, wow. so i did what i never what i said i'd never do and i i did george lucas it and i i've redrawn some panels i had to look back i looked back and i didn't <laughs> like what i saw and you, and you had to put jar jar binks in and everything yeah, this, right? he's in he's in um the third chapter <laughs> just in the background fantastic yeah. um brilliant so with that sorry were, were the the uh, the original was that physical physical uh drawing sorry physical pages that you drew drawn 
for the for GWA for the wrestling comic. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. it was all digital. Luckily, well, it was lucky right, and right. unlucky, I suppose. I don't know. You look at it, but yeah, it's all digital, so mm. it was easy enough to go in and, and fix things up. Yeah. Color it in. Yeah. Color them in. Because yeah, no, I was just thinking if it would be interesting if it was uh, if it was physical pages and then you would have had to scan it and then oh if I had to rescan the thing it, it, it wouldn't have happened I wouldn't there's no way yeah. I can work physically and keep <laughs> like I don't I, I can't keep stuff I've got now like safe so there's no way <laughs> I do wish you know people right. say like all cartoonists should work physically just in case someone wants to buy original pages and stuff but I can't I can't live my life like that. I need, I need to. Yeah. You know, it just makes me much faster to work digitally. So I have to sacrifice any potential yeah. gains I've got by selling someone a picture of a wrestler. Exactly, and you know you can always do physical stuff, can't you? Like separately. Um, yeah, if it was like a, from a practicality standpoint, it's, it's like this alien apocalypse now. If if this was, you know, if all electricity was turned off because of the the friendly aliens. I it would take me a little mm. bit of time, but I could get I could get going. Give me a crayon. I could I could get it back. It's fine. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Just like riding a bike really. Yeah. Nice. Uh now uh, back to the alien canteen. Um and uh the next alien friend asks you, Well Josh, that's all very well, but what's the funniest comic that you've read? So I was trying to think, um, or, you know, in real time, this alien asking me, I am trying to think, uh, <laughs> well, the funniest thing. And I remember laughing out loud a lot, reading, um, a couple of books by Piao, which is a Swedish publisher and they, they're closing down soon. They are ceasing operations. Uh-huh. So if you want these books, it is now is the time, but, um, there's one called Piao, Piao by Piao, by an artist Jane Mai or Jane May, sorry, um, and that's kind of like the first half of it is like scribble doodles um, of like convention stories of her, you know, her and the team from Piao. What was that? Um, sorry, someone just <laughs> smashed me. It was your, it was your alien friend. Yeah, my alien friend just knocked someone over. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the first half of Piao is like really quickly sketched convention stories from like uh, her traveling the world to comic shows with Piao, and they're quite funny. I think if you've sat at a table, um, you will enjoy those. So a little bit of inside baseball for mm-hmm. people. But also the end is like a last chapter that it goes from being these like little scribbles to this like beautifully rendered, really elaborate, like manga style story about, uh, she, she essentially like quits her her day job and then goes off to like, um, some event where this, I don't know if you know the manga artist, um, Inio Asano, he's like quite big. He did a a book called goodbye pun pun. So he's a big manga man. And, uh, she sees him from afar and basically it's just about her stalking him. And I think it really happened, <laughs> and it's very good. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's like secondhand embarrassment. It's very funny, so I'd recommend that to anyone. And then the second Piao book that was very funny is Rule Break by Anna Syvertson, 
and that is just a load of um little like autobiographical stories but like the comedy timing and the pacing is really funny in those um there's a great story where she's forced to like play rounders well like a version of rounders called like brun ball or something and um she doesn't realize that everyone has to like wear fancy dress to play and it's very uh demoralizing and embarrassing and i recommend it to everyone they don't sound as funny when i'm saying them but if you read them they're, they're hilarious <laughs> no they are hilarious totally i got no doubt no doubt um and uh yeah it's it's always it's always difficult isn't it to explain um a funny funny book to somebody but uh yeah no um i'm i'm sure i'm sure that they've uh they're gonna make us all laugh out loud that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a year in the canteen but, uh, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, they don't have humour either, which makes it difficult. Um, but oh, wow. uh, one emotion that they do have is um, is being sad. Uh, so, what's the saddest comic that you've read? Yeah, I don't know about um, I don't know about you, Canteen Alien, but um, I don't get affected by comics that much. Like in terms of, I laugh. But I, I don't. I, it's rare that I'm sad after reading a comic. Sometimes it's like I guess with there's like uh, you feel empty a little bit afterwards. <laughs> Maybe that's sadness. I don't know. We're just like, oh, that's, that's not a, that's not a great place for them to end end up. But I remember um, I read Pluto and Twentieth Century Boys, two manga series by um, Naoki Urasawa. And uh, he's he's like a great manga artist, and he's got a little. Um, there's a great documentary th- show he's got, which you should check out if you can find it on the internet, uh, called Man Ben. And uh, he basically like goes to different manga artists' house houses rather, and sets up loads of like mm. cameras uh, while they work. Um, and then there, he and the artist then review the footage later, so you get lots of like insights into the working process and stuff. It's kind of like a nature documentary, right. but with like manga artists. It's great. Um, but those two books are like 20th Century Boys is kind of like his is most like renowned epic. I think uh, it's very long, and that's about like a, a group of kids who grow up, and they have like a little imaginary world that they talk about and write about in this book. And then um, it's called like the Book of Prophecies. So it's just like a little joke they made up when they were children. And then years later as adults, uh, things in that book start to come to fruition and murders start to happen. And uh, they have to figure out what's going on and why. And there's some very sad moments in that book, some deaths, some horror. Uh, And likewise, Pluto, which is a, it's kind of like a uh, Blade Runner style, reimagining of an Astro Boy story, like a little old Astro Boy right. comic, yeah. where this robot detective has to figure out who is killing these other robots. And um, it sounds silly, but it's it's very good. And there's some robots who die in that book that you don't want to die. It's very, very horrible. Oh, yeah. You you will feel you will feel for a robot if you <laughs> if you read the book. Yeah, well I mean it's a, it's amazing when a creator's able to do that. Um, make you feel for a robot and yeah yeah no it's awesome um but upsetting at the same time awesome and upsetting now, yeah, I re- yeah. <laughs> oh. 
No, go, Josh. I would recommend that book to anyone, though. I think that's a... Pluto is just like his shortest work. So it's the most accessible, really, because you don't have to get... You'd have to commit Uh, to, like, loads and loads and loads of volumes. I'm sure there are places that are selling it digitally as well, so you can just binge it all in one go. Great stuff. Excellent. Uh, Now, changing gears, um, once again, what's the scariest comic that you've read? Um, Again, I don't know if I can feel... I mean, have you talked about the scariest comic you've read in this podcast in the past? Not personally, no. What's the the scary... Can I ask you, or is it not allowed? Uh, um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to save my own... Um, oh, I've, I've spoken okay. a few, but I'm trying You've to say for, 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 for a, though, a milestone. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I've been <laughs> like definitely, I've definitely been horrified. Um, yes. and yeah, scared. Yeah, it's weird that you can you can't do a jump scare. I wonder if you could ever do a jump scare in comics. I'm sure there's people who yeah, jumped, ooh. but it would be very difficult to do. Yeah, potentially. Um, I mean, you'd have to be reading under the cover with a with a torch, maybe. Or something. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. This is an idea. You do some sort of thing with like UV ink, so you could only read it in the yeah. dark with a torch that comes with a book. So it forces you where, whenever you're reading yeah. it, you have to be really dark, and then That'd you can get cool. away with it. Yeah. There's your idea, Josh. That's your next project. Horrible. <laughs> UV printed <laughs> horror. Sounds awesome. Lovely. Yeah. Shit. Wow. Don't put this UV out. Printed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's Josh's idea. Yeah, trademark. I just googled it now. <laughs> um, but a book I've been reading recently, which I don't know if it actually scared me, but um, it definitely horrified me. But it also made me laugh, which I don't know if it's right that it, sh- it should do that. Is uh, the Drifting Classroom, which is there's three volumes of it um, through Viz. They just put out like three perfect collections, and it's by Casuo Yumez. And it's a story about a school of children and teachers that gets transported into a otherworldly like wasteland. And when they arrive, um, they don't know where they are. And they kind of have to fend for themselves and build their own tiny little society in this school. And some horrific things happen. This kid, I mean, and the thing about it is, it's a manga published for kids originally. It's from the seventies. So it was it, it was published in like a boys I don't know if what what it was published in but it was a boys manga sort of magazine but some of the stuff that goes on is absolutely insane and there's <laughs> the the teacher you know like in zombie movies the people who uh, you know the villains are always and never the zombies they're the people who can't cope with the apocalypse they always the one who cause in mm. the in this you'd think it would be the kids but it's the teachers who immediately are like they can't cope mentally with this, and there's a shot yeah. where these these uh, children are trying to they've just gone nuts and they're trying to leave the school and this this teacher is like trying to hold his arms out and stop them from getting out the gates but he can't do it so instead he has to like kind of like start swatting them away like King Kong and it's one of the it's not violent because they, it's like slapstick swatting they're not you know getting injured right. but just the yeah. way it's paced and shown it was like terrifying and hilarious at the same time it was so weird it's just got it's really uncanny like is the word I would use yeah wild and it gets uh, progressively more like 
bleak. But I haven't read the final volume yet, so I'm hoping for a happy ending, but I don't, mm. know. I don't know if that'll happen. <laughs> the wow. first, the yeah. first two are very horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I mean, you know, the manga and, and the Japanese aren't really afraid of having a sad ending. <laughs> um, and they're not yeah, afraid of like, yeah, concepts hope. like that as well. I wouldn't hold out hope. <laughs> I'm actually not. doing a but, uh, uh, I'm doing a second book for Learner at the moment and it's um, slightly inspired by the Drifting Classroom but it's oh, not cool. It's not going to be as horrifying it's about a uh, a hotel that's also a robot that gets stuck in space and they have to sort of fend for themselves um, oh, cool. but I think they can get away with more kids being swatted away out of the air than I can probably yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, they, they they are not afraid about putting kids in horrific situations, are they? Um, it's, the guy uh, who it's impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a commitment to the to the vision. It is. Yeah, the guy who definitely. wrote. That, I mean, it's it's I'm culture sure. as well, oh, I sorry. guess, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was just saying it's just kind of culture, I guess. But uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm trying to think how violent are kids' books from that time here? And they probably more... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's peril in Tintin and stuff, isn't there? <laughs> but it's not it's yeah. not the same, certainly. No, it is, no. is full-on. But I applaud it. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yes. The only other tidbit of information I have about this book is that the guy who wrote it, um, he's, like, really big in Japan. He was like a star of the 70s or whatever, and he's still going. And I think he's in like punk bands and stuff as well. Um, cool. But he, he loves red and white stripes. I don't know what it is about that, but that's like his thing. He's like well whenever you it. see him pictured, he's well into red and white. He's Yeah, he looks like Wiz Wally whenever you see him. Um, <laughs> and there's a great news story uh, where his neighbors have complained because he painted his house in this quite like bougie part of, of Tokyo, I think. Uh, he's painted the entire house in red and white stripes, and I was like, "Oh, what are they getting, what are they complaining about?" But when you see it, it looks wild. It looks good though, but it, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I don't know if I'd want to live in a place that's got red and white stripes everywhere. That sounds like that'd be pretty intense. Ironically, but Wally blended thing, in with those. Yeah, but he <laughs> his his house didn't yeah. blend in. Yeah, the reverse Wally effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you got you got to find not Wally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, now, uh, moving on to uh, my favourite question and our alien friend's favourite question, and that is, what is your favourite cover? i realising now that I've done a lot of manga. I've got a manga stretch here. We've done three in a row. <laughs> I do like Western comics <laughs> as sure. well. I'll get back to it. But my personal favourite cover at the moment, and it's very specific, is... Uh, there's a comic that Viz again just put out, number five by Tao Matsumoto, who's one of my favourite cartoonists. I think he's amazing. If if you haven't, uh, have you ever read any of his work? No, I haven't. No, you're an alien, of course. You you don't you don't have. Yeah, a of course. No, of course I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna check it out. He did. Um, there's a book called Black and White or Tech and Concrete, and there's a book called Ping Pong, right. which he did, and. What's good about him is he like has got this weird thing where he draws crazy perspective and is kind of 
anatomy is all over the place a little bit and his lines are really scribbly mm. but he's got this thing where like he can just make it all hold together and it looks amazing and very jealous <laughs> of it i think he studied a lot in france as well before he went back to japan to make manga mm. so he's got a lot of like bd band dessinée influence or whatever um and number five it's kind of like a lost book he didn't uh, it was available briefly in english and it's available again now but the version I found on the internet for about five quid, which is insane, is this cover, which has got this like amazing painted wraparound art. Um, right. But it's in like a, a slipcase box. And inside, the, mm. embedded in the box is an action figure, a tiny little action mm. figure of the, of the main character. And it's like, that's cheap to give that your best cover. But then I think... You know, if everyone else wanted the best cover, they'd put an action figure in their bloody comic, innit? He's gone the extra mile there. And it looks, it yeah, looks awesome. Man. Yeah, it looks so good as a piece that I haven't taken the action figure out. Um, so that is my oh, favourite cover. But the English version of number five has a similarly good cover. There's no action figure involved, but there's this great like watercolour painting um, that wraps around and it goes into the into the French flaps on the inside as well. Very good. And it's this crazy mix again of like this manga style plus these watercolors, which you don't really see elsewhere in the book. It's all black and white. And clearly he's been reading loads of Mobius comics and stuff. So it's all got like a great look to it. (laughs) I love him. Fantastic. And what's the comic itself about? The comic itself, if I can remember correctly, is about... um, there's a group of like peacekeepers. I think they're called the Peace Corps. And one of them goes rogue. It's been a, I've got the new edition, but I haven't read it yet. But I read the, the whole thing through uh, Means online some years ago. And uh, yeah, they, someone's gone rogue and they need to be assassinated. So these other members of, the, of this Peace Corps go and try to kill them as they go on the run. So it's essentially like a, it's kind of like a superhero thing. But it's it's more or less just introducing mm-hmm. these. The next character is this guy, so this chapter's about him. He gets dispatched. Now it's this person, and yeah, it's a cool little like trip into their backstories and stuff before they ultimately get kind of squashed by the person they're hunting. It's great, and it's set in like a future deserty wasteland type place. Yeah, I would highly recommend. Because I get that sense from the cover itself. Because um, it's like a hover bike, like in the background type of thing. Yeah, it, the actual two main characters kind of look like they're like farmers or something. I don't know. Maybe one of them. Yeah, you've got hover bike. There's a lot of wildlife involved. <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of like open hair, hairs running past. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're looking at the same thing I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, there's robots. There's a great. I don't know if you know. Uh, there used to be like um, you remember Power Rangers. That show about yeah. those Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah sure. Man. When they, yeah. Uh, when they, that was successful. They took on more shows, and there was one called Mask Rider, uh, which was again like an adaptation of like a jap using like Japanese footage, but then using uh, American actors for like the bits within on the suits, and that's based off like a famous show called Cayman Rider in Japan. And there's one of the chapters, or one of the sections, is about this Cayman Rider type character who is like this very uh, flashy superhero assassin and he meets a grizzly demise. I think, I can't remember if he meets a grizzly demise, but um, it seems right. 
Yeah, it seems, that's, seems that's the way it. to go. Again, I can't. I, that's the problem. I, 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 all I remember is loving things. I don't remember what actually happens in any of that. Yes. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, can you? Have you oh, got great no, recall? Not at all. <laughs> I, I, do, I do not. I do not have a good good memory for detail. I'm kind of similar to you in that I remember feelings. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I kind of have to go off the basis of that. <laughs> basically, it would be great to try and look up the plot of that book and see how close I got. I bet it's like sixty percent <laughs> right. I think I got the piece. Oh, that would do. Yeah, but what, what, what I thought, yeah, you did, yeah, there you go. Uh, what I find really interesting though, just just looking if you if everybody at home Google's uh, number five comic book. Front cover oh yeah, let's manga. let's talk about um, first of all. It's no, it's no dot five. You have to spell it that yeah. way. N O dot yeah, five. Exactly. But like all of the volumes and all of the different covers have like obviously a similar theme where you've got the guy standing and the woman standing in the middle of the front cover, and they're standing in different environments and yeah. kind of you know the wildlife is replaced at the bottom. Like on one of them, it's like a raccoon instead of a hare. In the background, they're like in a forest in one, but they look like it's like the same stance and the same look of the two freight men. Yeah, it's great. I never even noticed that with this because I because I've only seen like the one volume is out in English. I never really looked at the covers of the Japanese ones, like outside of the one I Mm. I bought with the action figure in it. But no, he loves a themed cover. There's another series he's done called Sunny, which is um, all available in English. Um, mm. and it's about some kids who live in an orphanage and that has got great covers again where he's gone the opposite way so instead of these like landscapes he's got these real like intense close-ups of these kids but they all uh, look of a piece so every book has got a different kid like close-up on the front cover and they're all these like beautiful watercolours I love it man I could talk about it for days yeah. there's another book called Blue Spring which you can get um, and I think they made a movie out of that one like a live action movie and um, cool I would also highly recommend that. Nice. Very interesting. I have to check this out properly. I'll definitely hunt down the uh, the English version. It's of, worth uh, a look. It's, it might not be for everyone, like in terms of how... Yeah. Uh, the you know the story unfolds and stuff and his pacing, but like and his art as well. I guess his art, like to me, is amazing. But maybe it's hit and miss for some people. Yeah. Like like a sleeker look. But I would definitely think it's worth having a look at. Very cool. Uh, now uh, moving on to another of my favourite questions, and that is, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Well, it might be sort of pass. What's it? Is it passe? Yeah, passe, because it's so popular and yeah. stuff. But when I was a teenager, a late teen, the Scott Pilgrim books were very influential in terms of getting me back into reading comics. I'd lapsed for like a long time. Um, because I was a big Edgar Wright fan. And I found out that he was going to make this Scott Pilgrim film. And I didn't know what that was. So I got involved. Yeah. And... Um, that kind of led me back in, really. I'd read manga. I read, like, Naruto and stuff as, like, a, a teenager. I'd watched anime and stuff. But in terms of Western comics, I guess Scott Pilgrim was as close to manga as you can get without being uh, manga. But it got me yeah. back in. And um, I still think they hold up. I still think they're really good. Uh, they They get a lot. I get, like, I've had a few people say that my work is, like, 
attempting to be like Scott Pilgrim but not be not as good. <laughs> Which I don't think is a I don't think is a fair. Um because and I know why they say that, because my I've used like some sort of Chris Ware style like le, like video gamey looking layouts in my book. Um and that's what Scott right. Pilgrim gets remembered for really is that there is like video game references in it. And there are big fight scenes and there are, you know, little the cool things he does with design. But I think the real like innovative thing in that is that um if you read them now, like the pacing of like the lines and stuff, like the the jokes and the dialogue, is so sort of smooth, and it has like such a good rhythm to it. I don't even know if I've read anything like it since that is like sort of effort- effortlessly funny consistently throughout, without it being like a gag comic, you know. Um, ah, nice. So yeah. that's probably something that I've either sub- subconsciously or consciously tried to emulate. But there's a certain thing about just reading stuff when you're at that age where it's just like, there's nothing you can do. It's just going to be like in your bones from now on. And so if you read anything yeah. when you're 16, you really like it. You've That's it. You're done. <laughs> it's just yeah, going to yeah, be Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is your influence. Yeah, you know, that's your foundational influence, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like for, for for me, it's probably like along the lines of, and this is just, yeah, again, it's passe, cliche, all of it, um, is, is Lord of the Rings, um, just yeah. in terms of storytelling. Um, you know, it's the quintessential, you know, hero story. Um, but that kind of overshadows, like, what, you know, I guess I, I emulate some of the time in, in my writing. I try to, you know, verge off of that, but sometimes it always just comes back to that in a way. <laughs> <laughs> you can't yeah. fight it it's just like it's yeah, gonna be there it's it's there's nothing you can do you know i watched all the Lord of the rings films in a row the other day <laughs> oh legend on the yeah, bank, yeah, bank holiday i end up doing that at least once a year i've never seen them i never saw the extended versions oh, really? yeah so oh, i saw really? like the uh the like when they came out when i was a kid but i don't think i've seen them since yeah and i was a fan when i was a kid um but I felt like, you know, in contrast to my memory now, I felt like I'd saw them once and I that was enough. <laughs> and then I would just yes. sort of uh, play video games based on them and stuff. But I watched them again, me and my girlfriends and friends, we all watched every one. It was 12 yeah. hours nonstop. But it was good. Okay. It was like a good 12 hours. Yeah. You, you enjoyed it? Yeah, because I feel like there's something about uh, that film that makes it good for a marriage i guess it's because they're going through an arduous mm. journey and when you have to sit on your ass for 12 hours you know you're not moving it feels like you've gone along with them <laughs> like like yeah, yeah. it was a test of stamina <laughs> yeah you've gone to mordor yourself yeah yeah i did yeah me and sam were on the same page <laughs> brilliant uh but no no it's a, it's, a, it's a good time isn't it that and, yeah it was uh, fun yeah yeah no Hey, I got a fact I'll, about uh, Scott I, Pilgrim as well. Oh, I just go remember. On. Yeah, go on. Well, I was so as maybe embarrassing as it is to cite Scott Pilgrim as as a key influence, given how popular it is. <laughs> I also was on a forum for Scott Pilgrim, like a little discussion channel that the creator set up, and I met cool. a guy. I met many good people on there, and actually, one guy, Steve Matthews. Who, who like is an art director now for a comics based charity up in Liverpool, which is amazing. Um, one thought bubble, he actually attended and I got to meet him in person for the first time. And I'd known him, you know, on the internet for like 15 years. And no, I couldn't be 15 years ago. 
Yeah. Oh shit, I'm 30. Sorry, I just swallowed. Yeah, it would have been like right. 12 years. 12 years or something. Mad. Um, and that was amazing. Because of that forum, one of the uh, artists there was hired to do the to be an art assistant on the sixth volume of the book. And so to like oh, bolster cool. his wage that he got paid for the book, we just all gave him like $20 and he would draw us in the backgrounds. So in the, in what, in right. volume six of Scott Pilgrim cropped, I'm mm. like half cropped out. There's like a, a drawing of like me as like a, as a 16, 17 year old, uh, with like long hair and a cool. hoodie. So no one knows it's me except me, but I thought that was cool. Oh, that's wicked though. That's so so cool to kind of yeah have that be in connection. the thing you loved most as a sixteen year old yeah yeah man that's amazing that's I mean I'm so saying cool. I was sixteen I got no concept of maths I could be wildly under it I could have been you know I don't know when I don't know dates I don't know times <laughs> I don't know anything <laughs> it was I'm thirty it now was so you could do, do the back ago. yeah sort sort <laughs> it out yeah. Oh, it's all good man oh, that's fantastic though uh now uh another interesting question comes up at the canteen the alien canteen and oh, that yeah. is what's the most underrated comic you know i i've played a little bit of D, and i'd love you to explain later what this canteen looks like <laughs> like a theater of yeah well yeah. I, yeah. if i give you a description um you could draw it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll do the cover art for the episode <laughs> Um, underrated. So it seems wrong to um, choose a Daniel Klaus book as underrated because he's kind of like the least underrated cartoonist ever, probably. Um, he's very rated. But among his books, I think Ice Haven doesn't really get talked about that much. Uh, and I think like it's clearly his best work, really. Um, if anyone hasn't read it, it was a single issue or maybe two issues of his is like long running comic eight ball that um, was collected into a little book. And uh, mm. it's about the, or about a load of different characters in this little town. Um, and a child goes missing and that's kind of like the central drama. But what's cool about her is you just kind of go, you follow different characters at different times. So you have, it's kind of styled like a, a lot of it's like a Sunday comic type strip so it's the book itself is like rectangular on its side and they're kind of like horizontally mm. laid out so you get these little tiny vignettes of these different characters in their separate lives but they all kind of like ultimately start revolving around this central plot and they meet up and stuff it's great it's really funny and uh probably more than anything else that's probably the thing i ripped off most for my glorious wrestling alliance book now i'm thinking about it subconsciously ripped off because <laughs> Very similar in like the little vignettes about different characters, but they all sort of come together. But I, yeah, that's uh, I've read quite a bit of his stuff. Like everyone reads like Ghost World and stuff, I guess, when they're a teenager. And like uh, mm. this, like stuck with me. Yeah, I think this is like his best thing. So I, he did a book called Patience. I think that's his like his last book, which was like quite big for him in terms of like length. And that was that was great. That was like a sci-fi time travel story, uh, and it was, I don't know how many pages, but it was quite ambitious because it usually works at like eighty pages or something like his books. And Ice Haven's another one like that. Like it's quite slight, but um, it's really satisfying. You know, 
And it makes me feel better about turning in books that don't have massive page counts. I feel like if, if it's good enough for Klaus, it's good enough for me. Hundred <laughs> percent. And sometimes less is more. You know, um, you can you can definitely overdo it. And yeah, leave uh, them wanting yeah, more. No, if yeah, exactly. You know, um, leave them think. Uh, yeah, if you've told the story, they, they want, want more. To, yeah, as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah that's the key. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, now, um, your alien friends have never really read comics. So what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Okay. Well, in terms of a friend, i.e. a person who's, al- who's alive on this earth and as as sort of reference points, we can go for... Um, I thought... Killing and Dying by Adrian Tomine would be a good one. Uh, because you can go two ways, really, if you're trying. I don't. Ultimately, it's a, it's a fool's errand. There's no way. I'm never going to convince someone to read comics, I don't think, because they'll just laugh in my face. But if I was to do it, <laughs> Killing and Dying would be a good one, I think, because that that's along the way of like um, proving, A, the classic thing of proving not all comics have to be about superheroes. But then I guess that's kind of like an old-fashioned notion now, and probably a lot of people also think that there are good comics, but they're quite worthy and about like serious, <laughs> really serious topics. Like it's known mm. that that is the case now. So Killing and Dying is again like that Ice Haven thing is about different characters, but it's different in that it's just a short stories collection. Um, but he's a great artist. It looks great. It's really clear and simple to read, and. Um, there's some really funny and like touching stories in there. And they, they, it does have the sensibility of like, uh, you know, independent film, I guess in comics. So if, if say you were talking to someone who likes maybe not art house cinema, but wouldn't mind like a little independent drama, check them killing and dying. They'll, they might like it. There's a great story about a guy who, uh, is like a tortured artist and he decides to start. Um, I think it basically just doesn't want to get a proper job. So he makes these crazy like out, outdoor sculptures out of like trees and clay. And he's convinced that the world is against him and that really the works a genius. But it's just there's just not a desire for it, uh, which I could uh, identify with. And then uh, there's another one about a kid <laughs> who wants to become a stand-up comedian. Um, and, and be, well, and her, she's, yeah, trying to convince her parents that... Uh, being a stand-up comedian is a good route for her. And remember those two being like the standout stories. They might also be the first two stories of the book. So maybe that's my memory. Like <laughs> I start, start as well. And I just taper <laughs> off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got something there. Something happened. Yeah. Something happened along the, along the line. Also the, the, I don't know if you can get it anymore, but the way the hardcover came out with like, uh, I've realized I'm really superficial about covers. I just like a gimmick. Um, the hardcover had like an acetate, slip where I had the title of the book on so you could take it off and then like the uh, book wouldn't have the title on it. It would just be this big landscape instead. Great. Oh, that's cool. And then the other method you could go, so that's kind of showing somebody like comics can be like this other medium that you also like, you know, because even that's though it does yeah. stuff that's intrinsic to comics, I guess the worth in showing that to someone as their first comic would be like, oh, well, it can be thoughtful too like like films can be um you could go the other way and just go 
balls to, well not balls to the wall let's cut that out <laughs> could go the other way <laughs> and just go totally um pure comics i guess so i, I thought the incal by um mm-hmm. jodorowsky and mobius would be good because it's uh kind of like a well-known comic i suppose but it's a real yeah. clear um case for something that just could not exist as a film really like it's the story of it and the plot is so specific that in order to get the budget needed to be able to like render these images, you know, in any, any period, the seventies definitely, but even now, you know, it would just be a massive box office flop. There's no, there's no way with that plot you could (laughs) convince anyone to, to like buy the, make these crazy cities and these, (laughs) it's wild. So really, it is pretty it's wild, a, yeah. I've 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 got yeah. it as a doorstop. <laughs> <laughs> it's big as well, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's massive. Yeah, if you want to convince someone the comics can be wild, or also if you want to convince someone the comics can be physically big, give it. That's a good book, yeah. <laughs> they, they and I think I think all of I think all of that has been born out of um, the fact that he didn't get to make his June. Isn't it? Yeah, so I I don't know the Basically. full story. Like I've seen the documentary, but I don't know like how interlinked those two things are. But yeah, in my mind, that's like yeah, because uh, he's, he's got meta parents as well. Yeah, I've he's read got meta parents as well, isn't he? Yeah, but that's like that, um, which is the, like the it's really tunish as well. Are the meta barons in the, the Incal? I think they are, aren't they? There's a guy called the meta baron. I think they might be. And yes. it's a spin, yeah, I think yeah. I think they're interlinked. Yeah. But that's a great um, introduction to Mobius as well, who's like mm. art. I think he's like one of the best. I mean, yeah, that's not like an original mm, opinion. Sure, <laughs> it's known, <laughs> but like, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it is like maybe his writing isn't as like accessible. Maybe in terms of like mm. a, a normal structure, and uh, Jodorowsky probably isn't as well. But it's more. It, it, it looks like a like a blockbuster done by a crazy person, basically. Which I, yeah. Mobius's stuff is less linear than that. But so I think it's a good, I think it's a good introduction to the weirder side of like a traditional story that comics can do. Definitely. I also, like for these aliens, they might see yeah. some of themselves in it. I don't know. There's no aliens yeah. in Killing and Dying, but there's aliens in the Incar. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, they might yeah, be able to see going... parallels with with their own world. Yeah. Keep the audience in mind. Exactly, exactly. Very well played. Um, and then, uh, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse yourself, which would it be? So I've taken an unconventional choice. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is conventional. I'm not sure. But I've just chosen a comic I haven't read because I feel like uh, let's get into it. We got time. I mean, it's going to go one of two ways. Either there's not going to be any time to read any comics because I'm going to be in a flight or flight situation uh, incessantly, or I'm going to be dead, mm. or there's going to be a lot of lying around <laughs> waiting for stuff to to kick off. So um, the one that first came to mind, I've got the first volume. I'm yet to delve in. I've seen sort of adaptations and stuff of this in anime, but The Fist of the North Star by Bronson and Tetsuo Hara, which is um, an apocalyptic sort of Kung Fu Mad Max tale. So it's, it's very, uh, I, if you're not familiar with it, I'm sure you've inadvertently seen like memes of the main character doing like Kung Fu moves and like exploding people's brains and stuff. Um, so it's a very long running 
uh, apocalypse themed manga. It's it's not a it's not an alien apocalypse by any means, but uh, it's kind of light reading. I think it's an action comic, and uh, in my current non apocalypse life, I have not had the chance to to indulge and read it. So silver linings if we get rolled by aliens, my schedule might open up. <laughs> <laughs> so I use that time well. Very well played. But I and didn't. Then, I yeah, I also did have another thought for this, but I don't know. I I don't know how a good an idea would be. It might bum you out in the apocalypse. But I just watched the the final Evangelion film, which just came out. They made like a remake mm. of the anime series Evangelion in film form. And it took them 13 years. They made four films and they're great. Uh, and there's a manga adaptation made by the guy who did the, um, character designs, Yoshiki Sadamoto. And again, that's a long running manga. It's like five thick volumes. Mm. I've got them all. I've never started to read them. So maybe that's where mm. I bundle in with my, my alien bag. That's also apocalyptic in many ways. Um, and it was a formative text. The anime was a formative text in my youth. So when I was like 13, 14, I saw it and I it scarred me for life. It's, it's really, it's really <laughs> grim and sort of psychologically troubling. Uh, especially there's a film that, it, that it, the end of Evangelion is, um, is a seminal text. No pun. There's a, that's a pun, an accident, if you've seen the film. But it's, a, it's got, there's some horrible stuff that goes on in there. And I saw that too young and it kind of blew my mind. Well, no, I'd say I saw it too young in other people's eyes, probably. But I think you sort of need something like that sometimes to just sort of yeah, introduce you to the world. You. Yeah, it pushed me. It certainly pushed me. And so maybe in my final days in this alien apocalypse, <laughs> reading these Evangelion manga adaptations might sort of bring me back to my teenage years in a sort of Proustian way, maybe. Uh, but it would be very, yeah, very, totally. very depressing. <laughs> a depressing end to the earth. <laughs> well, hopefully um, that'll maybe give you the motivation to make a better world as a result of being too that's depressed. True. You kind of cl- climb out of the hole. <laughs> that's the, that's how the book ends. Spoilers. <laughs> well, the anime. That's Bingo. how the anime ends. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Uh, But along with all of that, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you as well? Yeah. Now, I've already stated that I'm not, I'm going to approach these aliens with pacifism. I'm I'm of a body type and I'm of a disposition that if anyone is going to attempt to attack me, I would rather just lay down and let it happen. I don't think I've got any sort of chance <laughs> in fighting aliens. <laughs> so that's how weapons are out. It's not not happening. But we have sort of lived through a semi, uh, it's felt apocalyptic, the old COVID, isn't it? And what I've oh, realized yeah. <laughs> during, during the old pandemic is that there's a great restorative property to be found in um, Star Trek, the next generation. So what I would bring with me is a laptop fully loaded with every episode of Star Trek The Next Generation because I'll tell you why. First of all, it's so comforting and relaxing that I can fall asleep within seconds of an episode going on, some sort of Pavlovian thing. And I never liked Star (laughs) Trek before. I hated Star Trek. 
because my dad used to like <laughs> it and i would come in oh, there you go. and it was just on and boring because they're just talking in space all the time get it off my girlfriend <laughs> reintroduced introduced me to it and i love it now and um if we put it on and i've had like i've worked i'll basically be asleep within minutes I think it's just seeing because they kind of they get into adventures, but mainly they're just talking on the bloody bridge and stuff, aren't they? So yeah. it's nice, nice to hear them <laughs> chat, see what they're getting up to, and then sort of get lulled into sleep by Picard. So that it would have a sleep exactly. aid benefit. Um, there's also a lot of um, aspirational alien human relations in that show. So I think maybe if I showed it to my alien friends in the canteen, they might take a a leaf out of. Uh, some of the aliens' box. I'm trying to think of an alien race in there. The Klingons, they're getting on now. There's an alliance with the Klingons. Yeah, yeah think of, exactly. Think of leaf out the exactly. Klingons. Book. Good. Yeah. I think that, that would be. So maybe it could be. It's like a sort of uh, an olive branch and a, exactly. and a sleep aid for me yeah, and a comfort in these dark times. Definitely, man. Now that's fantastic. Well, happy to provide all of that for you as you, oh, uh, you. go off into this. Um, this alien so invasion. Then. So you're providing you me with this stuff. Actually. You're providing yes. me with all these goods. So you presumably you buddied up with them, and you're like a, well, a sergeant. Uh, I'm now. like the watcher. Think of me like the watcher. Oh, okay. Or something. You're not like a turncoat. You've just gone. I'll look. No, I'll, no. I'll allow some people to live. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're just looking over it all. Oh well. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my pleasure. Um, Josh Hicks, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, thank you for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. Thank you for having me and listening to them. Oh, no, what are we my, eating my at the pleasure. canteen? Well, this is it, you know. Um, so you got you got to introduce them to, to human food, I guess. Um, I'm, not, I'm not so sure what, what the aliens are eating. Food be, for the apocalypse. Let's, for do a, let's do a sequel. <laughs> let's do a food for the apocalypse. Yeah, let's just do yeah. one episode. Why not, man? That could be fun. Pizza. Yeah, well, you know, you've just got you've got to make the best food you can out of tinned foods, I guess. Oh, that's my yeah. zone. Um, I can't do anything except <laughs> tinned foods. Yeah, that's it. I'm perfect. Oh, bingo. You're yeah. a connoisseur of of the cans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and uh, for the for the listeners, one more time, Josh, uh, where can they find you online? I'm at. A Josh Hicks on Twitter and Instagram, and I also have a website, joshhicks.co.uk. And you can Fantastic. find all the information then, there. Yes, um, and uh, be sure to to check out Glorious Wrestling Alliance Ultimate Championship Edition. Um, yes, via, via Josh's links um, and uh, pre-order uh, before October the fifth. Um, and then after that, you can order just straight up order, can't you? Um, you can do a pre-order. Do you, you can plan do to go any cons? Yes, that's <laughs> the other thing. I'm planning. Yes, you know, all I booked accommodation, so it's happening unless something kicks off. Plan to go to Thought Bubble in November, and I'll have copies of the book with me there, God willing. And uh, might have some other little things. I'll have some books from Cart Publishing Endeavors there. Johan Morris's Bigol. Only Wrestling is Real by Lucas Kowalczyk. And uh, maybe I'll do a little mini comic or something if i got time. And Yoan will be with me. So we'll be uh, representing. Hmm. We don't know which. I'm sure we know which hall we're in, but uh, I don't. So we'll be there somewhere. 
<laughs> just go with the flow. Then uh, just look at look there'll at the map. map. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a map, won't there? <laughs> yeah, there will be. You'll be all right. Um, it'll, it'll all work out on the night. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Josh. Again, thank you so much um, for for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, hopefully our paths will cross at some stage at, at a com potentially at CCC next year. Yeah, um, that'd be that'd be great. Well, cheers. Thank you for hosting me in the apocalypse. Good luck with those aliens. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No worries. And uh, yeah, take care and uh, hopefully see you soon. Thanks again to Josh for being on Comics with the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Josh's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.